0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of All Things Iceland. It's Jules, and I'm adding an informational series to this podcast. After each month of this year, I'm basically planning to provide insight about what you can expect in that month that just passed. So in essence, January that just passed in 2023, I'm now going to share things like the weather, road conditions, what to wear slash pack, what makes it worth it to visit during that month, some tips on driving in that time, top activities and events that can happen annually during that specific month. So of course, this is all about Iceland in January, and there's a lot to talk about regarding Iceland in January, because it can be one of those months that feels a bit challenging to people, and I'll definitely get into why. But I split it up into categories like, I mentioned weather, things to do, so If you go to allthingsiceland.com forward slash Iceland dash January, then you will be able to find all of these categories and information I have linked in there. Or if you just want to read through it, then it might be really helpful for you. I'm definitely planning, especially when it comes to packing, like my ultimate packing checklist, if you haven't downloaded that yet, or other episodes that might be useful when it comes to winter, because Iceland in January. I feel like it's a really fun month, but that's also because I've acclimated it to, to it. And I've been here now for almost seven years. So my idea of winter in Iceland is so different. But I'm gonna start off with the weather. Probably one of the biggest questions I get besides seeing the northern lights is what the weather would be like and if storms would be expected. Before I get into that though, the temperature range in January is can actually be Really interesting, so negative 10 degrees Celsius to plus 5 degrees Celsius, which is in essence 14 degrees Fahrenheit to 41 degrees Fahrenheit, is possible to experience in January. Now, it's normally not the case that you're going to have Monday negative 10 and the next plus 5. In fact, you might never experience negative 10 or plus 5 while you're here, but within that range somewhere, it wouldn't be unusual for you to get these types of temperatures. In Reykjavik, specifically though, the average temperature, at least you know for many years, according to the Met Office here, is around negative one as the low, and just above freezing at plus one degrees Celsius. So that's thirty point two degrees Fahrenheit to thirty three point eight degrees Fahrenheit. As you venture out into the countryside, the temperatures are often cooler. Especially as you head north, that's just something to keep in mind. Snow-wise, same thing. There can, for sure, be snow in Reykjavik, and we've had some snow. Ice is always an issue regarding possibly slipping or conditions in which just feels a bit dangerous when you're on the road. So, that's something to keep in mind. But in the north, it's more of a constant that snow is around all the time. Whereas in Reykjavik, you might you might experience that. There's some snow, then maybe it rains and it gets a little bit warmer above freezing and that goes away and then it comes back and then there's more ice and things like that. So it's kind of interesting to talk about in the month of January how around the country the conditions can be different. On top of the weather temperatures themselves though, there are typically wind and or snowstorms that happen during this time of the year. Every winter is not the same. But there does seem to be an expectation of more storms in January and February. Of course, the wind chill makes the temperatures I spoke about earlier more biting, more cold, more challenging, if nothing else. And depending on what you're used to regarding winter, those numbers might sound intense to you, which I think is pretty fair when I first moved, even though coming from New York City... And there can be really intensely cold times. I feel like knowing that winter in Iceland is longer for some reason just felt more like a daunting thing to have to go through. But in my opinion, having it longer doesn't necessarily make it harder. It's just more about managing your expectations. so yes, it can be intense though. However, I think that this time of the year is is amazing to visit, so Please don't rule it out. And I will get into why a little bit later. Also, please keep in mind that no matter the time of year that you visit Iceland, it's imperative that you try to be flexible with your schedule. And when you're only gonna be, be visiting for a few days, you have a limited number of days. I know it might sound hard when, you know, to say tell someone, be flexible. But the storms are dangerous here, and already over the last week or so, we've had two storm warnings where they were encouraging people not to drive, stay off the roads, and roads were closed, and there were yellow warnings. in fact, I think one of them was an orange warning and then yellow in other places, and that ended up being, you know something that could save a tourist or locals life just having that information because trying to go to a place, obviously, where either the road is closed or really deadly winds or just high gusts, I should say, could be deadly. So this can force you to, of course, change direction or make you stay put for a day or two. That is entirely possible. And the only reason why I reiterate this, if you listen to other episodes, is because it happens time and time again. And it just baffles my mind that it keeps happening where people do take that risk to go out and to just see what happens because they really wanted to go to the Black Sand Beach or something, you know, like it's, it's interesting. So a little later though, in the episode, I will talk about, like I mentioned, what makes it fun to visit, what to wear during January so you can keep warm and dry. Regarding daylight hours during this month, funny enough, at the beginning of January, in the, in the South, so in the North, it's even worse in terms of less, hours daylight, but we start off with a whopping 4 hours and 23 minutes of daylight in Reykjavik. By the middle of the month, so January 16th, we have 5 hours and 29 minutes, so always increasing, <laughs> thankfully. And by the thirty first, so the end of the month, we have jumped up to 6 hours and 29 minutes. Amazing. This month, just as a side note, many Isenders are often feeling like this is the month that You need to push through because it is the case that the days are getting longer, but it just feels like it's crawling. And when you get through January, the idea is, okay, we're kind of not on the other side of winter, of course, but at least the days are getting longer. And that means we've gotten to a cycle where you can see it so much more, it gets so much more obvious. So of course, armed with this information, Knowing that if you're going to come in early January, for instance, you'll be able to make informed decisions when it comes to planning your trip in the country. Shorter days make it hard to see many of the natural wonders. Not every natural wonder, so, such as Ceylon's Foss, which has a spotlight, not all of them do that. And that's because it would take up time and energy and electricity. So knowing that these places, in the when it becomes nighttime, they're completely in the dark and you can't enjoy them you can start to make up a schedule for yourself that would be within this window of time in which you have daylight hours. Now on each side of this, so let's just say that the sun comes up at 11 o'clock and then it goes down at four, right? Let's just as an example, which this does happen. When it's 10 o'clock, you can see light in the sky. And I'm always encouraging people, especially when I'm helping them with their itineraries. So I do like these one-on-one trip planning calls with people and if you're interested in that I'll have a link to it in the description. And I'm really happy that people have found it super useful. The thing is, I'm when I'm helping them to plan, we are taking this into account and really being aware of well, if it's in wintertime, being being aware of the daylight hours and knowing that of course you can drive on the way to the place. But maybe at 10 30 there is enough light in the sky, even though the sun itself is not above the horizon where you can you know have a little bit of time to do something and then after so around four thirty or five o'clock the sun's not completely down yet so keeping those or should say the light in the sky is not completely out that's a better way of describing it so that's another way of just managing expectations too and giving yourself the ability to know that you have a little bit more time but it's getting dimmer and dimmer all the while while you're out there plus you can schedule other activities like going to museums and things when the sun is down, or when it goes down. And that, to me, is just another strategic way of being able to sort out your schedule while you're here. What to wear in January in Iceland? In my opinion, what you wear is most definitely one of the most important things for your trip. It can it can make or break it. No one wants to be cold or wet. Well, okay, to be fair most people don't want to be cold or wet. Side note, I'm really interested in learning the Wim Hof method. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, that's fine. But funny enough, I've been thinking about taking his course and becoming one of those people that willingly jumps into cold tubs and does like these, you know, breathing exercises. If you haven't heard though of Wim Hof, or you have heard of him, but he's known as the Iceman. And I highly recommend looking him up. I might even put a link in the show notes. This has nothing to do with Iceland specifically. But if you're like me, a person who easily gets cold, I mean, I'm talking about my hands numb very quickly. So to my toes, it is annoying and I am tired of it. And so I want to do something where embracing the cold and actually getting my body to a place where I can enjoy being out in the cold because I can control my body's heat, like temperature to me boggles my mind it also just intrigues me in a way because it will open up kind of like a freedom to just be out there and, and do more things so look them up if you haven't if, if you're interested in this type of thing but also if you're a person like I mentioned like me who is just tired of feeling so cold in winter So okay back to what I'm saying about packing in winter I have my ice unpacking the ultimate ice unpacking checklist for winter and if you want that, it's in the show notes I've linked it but I also want to mention that Synthamani, who is the sponsor of this episode, so they have amazing, really high quality Icelandic outdoor clothing and their local brand. I love their clothing. I wear it all the time. And so Layers is the name of the game, right? And so that is coming here. But specifically, like I love, for instance, their base layer. I've been, there's one of the base layers and I'll have it in linked as well. And I was wearing it. Just in the house. And I was like, I'm so warm. Like it was just, It's a thin piece of material, but it keeps you so warm. And the whole idea is that it's supposed to be wicking off sweat, but it also is providing some insulation too. And of course, in the middle layer in winter, weighing like a loba pesa, which is wool or fleece, or uh, they have this thing at Sintamani called Prima Loft, and that's completely synthetic also extremely warm, very, very light. And I love it. I'm, I know I sound like such a fangirl, but I'm often one of those people that, especially when it comes to outdoor gear, first of all, I want it to look good. Of course, I want it to be functional. That's like without a question. That's baseline. But the other thing is like clothes that actually have bright colors. If you like bright colors, of course, they have black. But I like bright colors. I like things that have shape to them when it's, you know, cut for a female's body or they just look interesting. And I like that they design the clothing this way. So they have it, of course, for people who maybe want more of a neutral look. And then they have people like me who are like bold and want to be out there with bright blue pants and you know, yellow jacket or something. And they've specifically designed their clothing for Iceland's harsh weather conditions, which is crucial. Because I am so familiar with the brand and quality that they provide, I'm happy that I can offer my listeners a discount of 15%, so 1-5% off your online purchases with them. We use the code Jules, so J-E-W-E-L-L-S. You might have noticed if you go to the website, they it's in Icelandic. They're working on the English version. Uh, they've been doing a lot of work on it, actually. And it looks great, but for some reason it hadn't been launched yet. So if you are and have been looking on it, just as a FYI. But a lot of the stuff is relatively easy to understand. However, if you need any help with it, feel free to let me know. Or uh, And I will be announcing, too, when the English version was coming out. Because the plan was already to have it out. So that more people from my podcast and other places could utilize a discount if they wanted to. If you want to shop in person, though, they have a lovely outlet in Japna On the way from the airport, or to the airport, from Reykjavik. And they have an outlet in the back, like actual really good prices on, on stuff from last season. And I just highly recommend checking it out if you want to do that. So like I mentioned, the layers, and of course, like after your mid layer is the outer layer, like a parka and with their cab down, or like I mentioned, Primaloft, both really amazing. So keep those in mind. And of course, with your pants, same thing. Having a base layer and then a layer over over that. The outer layers should always have some wind protection and waterproofing. It doesn't have to be like rubber, like completely waterproof. But definitely when water hits it, it should beat up, slide down, not soak through your clothes, because that can make you really miserable here. And also heavy winter boots with great soles that have grip. Micro spikes, micro spikes, micro spikes. That's all I'm gonna say. Please. And I use these ones called Catula. I don't have any affiliation with them. I have a link in the show notes. I love them. They are quite big, but they grip everything. I've been like my mom used mine. In fact, I need to get her a pair when she's been visiting me. Because she's older, she's had two knees replaced. Like I just would feel so disappointed in myself if I hadn't, you know, made sure that she had some micro spikes to grip the ice here and would potentially fall, like it would just make me feel I feel really responsible and terrible. So I care about all of you. I really, really do not want you to be at, in danger in terms of the ice because it's happened where people thought they had it and they just totally slipped or the conditions when you're walking downstairs didn't look as bad, but there was black ice and that's a horrible fall. So please, microspikes, pack them, buy them, use them. And it's gonna be in the city and the countryside, both places you'll find them useful. Windproof and waterproof gloves, thick socks, a hat, scarf, all of those. On the other end of the spectrum, when it comes to clothing, is bringing your swimwear. So dipping into a luxurious warm hot tub when it's chilly outside is literally one of the best feelings. I'm not gonna lie though, the path to get from the dressing room to the hot tub and even at the local pools, can, it can be an, an invigorating experience, we'll just say. But it's totally worth it. Because once you get in there, you're like, oh, yeah, so nice. And they have really, really hot ones, depending on where you go. So Loiga for instance, is the largest pool in Reykjavik. And they have a ton of different hot tub options. They have a sauna, a steam room, like all these places that you can just enjoy. So take advantage of that for sure. Local pools, spas, Blue Lagoon, Sky Lagoon, Forest Lagoon. There's so many lagoon Places here it's amazing, it's like the new trend of having these things called food halls in Iceland. I actually might do a take on that, maybe more of like do some pictures and things and do a podcast episode about food more because that has been such a big trend here is to have these they' basically like when you go to the mall it's a food court, but it's fancier looking than that, and they stand alone there's there's no mall, just food courts <laughs> with hipster looking. Places like I don't know how else to explain it, but it's big. It's really trendy in Iceland. All right, road conditions and driving in Iceland in January. So the road conditions will vary on where you are in Iceland. I've traveled to the west, south, north. I've never traveled to the west fjords, even though I've thought about it. However, I would prefer to do that with a really modified car. But still, I've traveled west, like to Snæfellsnes and other areas during this time of the year, and I've encountered a lot of icy roads, but. There were also roads where it was dry. And even in May, like that's why by winter being long here is that even in May in certain places, you'll find that it's still wintry conditions. So you just never know, especially beginning of May. The Ring Road, which circles around the country, is paved, doesn't stop it from, you know, getting icy, but at least you're not having to tackle like a lot of gravel road or really, really rough roads while you're driving around the country and going to popular attractions. It's always something that I have to say, and that is rental car companies here, they have nail tires on their rental cars. I think every rental car company does this, and you have that added bit of traction when driving makes a huge difference. It is night and day. I mean, I remember when I had all-year tires, and I don't have anything against all-year tires. Maybe I just didn't have a great pair, a great, you know, set, I should say, of them, but I had all-year tires, and when I compared them to when I got nail tires or studded tires, I just felt so much more secure and the car actually was, in my opinion, <laughs> safer. So that's why so that's why rental car companies put them on because of course they don't want renters or you know, travelers coming to Iceland and feeling like they're gonna easily lose control of their vehicle, especially when you head out into the country, meaning outside of the urban areas like Reykjavik. So winter driving though can feel potentially challenging if you're not used to wintery conditions. Even if you are, the wind gusts here when it is really windy can shake the car, and yeah, that can make some people kind of white knuckle it (laughs) on the road. It's gonna be fine. The car is usually gonna be fine unless there's wind, like a windstorm, and they told you not to drive. Then you're fine to drive, but I do reiterate that I suggest that you drive at a speed that you feel comfortable. Might be a little bit less than the speed limit, but that's okay. Just get there safely. I very much also think about the fact that. You know, when it comes to the landscape and stuff, you'll see a lot of really beautiful things. And please just don't stop in the middle of the road to take photos, right? Like, that's the other thing is just the safety aspect. But road conditions are usually quite good. But what you come up against, again, is just this icy, iciness on the road. Isenders are really used to it. They don't really blink an eye at it. There are a lot of Isenders you'll find that drive cars that are two-wheel drive. I... Especially this winter, I've been driving a four-wheel drive. It's made a huge difference in my comfortability, especially when the ice stacks up and a smaller car that is lower to the ground can sometimes get, not caught, but it ends up not being able to have as much clearance. So I like having this car set sets up a little bit more, there's more clearance, but you can, and there's nothing wrong with eating a two-wheel drive car, a little bit smaller of a car, and driving that around Iceland, because first of all, it's less money. Thankfully, in this during this time, though, of the year it is less expensive. And that is a huge part of making this time of the year more appealing, in my opinion. Has to do with the fact that it's I wouldn't call it a shoulder season, but it's just a part of the year where not many people come. New Year's is already over and you end up having, you know, this drop off in the amount of tourists. So you have a lot of attractions to yourself. Of course I'm, my new year celebrations are in the very beginning so that is one reason to come and visit during this time but low season for sure lower prices the northern lights i mean that's absolutely gorgeous you may or may not see them <laughs> of course right, i have to say that but it is something that i have seen a lot of this year and i've heard that we're kind of on an upturn when it comes to northern lights activity and like solar flare activity which is create helps to create the northern lights So. Keep that in mind. Maybe next January you find yourself wanting to come to Iceland. The landscape for me in terms of pluses is a huge plus. It's a winter wonderland. I love driving out when it is super snowy and not you know, obstructing the road, but it's just the whole landscape is white and a little bit of black too with the contrast. And it's gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. And then there's totally frozen or even half frozen waterfalls. I remember the first time I visited and I saw false waterfall along the Golden Circle half frozen. I was mesmerized, absolutely mesmerized. I stood there in awe, almost crying because I could hear the thunder of the water, but I could see this beautiful icy sculpture that had been made of water that just froze on its way down. It was spectacular. I just can't even... Like when I go back to this moment, I can't even fathom the fact that before coming to Iceland, I had no idea about seeing beauty like this. I mean, you can possibly see it in National Geographic or something, but when you see it in person, it really does have this powerful impact. And I hope for everyone to be able to see this. And it never ceases to make me just stand there and be appreciative of it. Some top activities to do in January in Iceland are, of course, Seeing the Northern Lights, possibly. So hunting for them is what they call it. Because there are times you need to go to certain areas or outside the city to potentially see them. And there also have been times where you can be in the city, literally walking down the street in Reykjavik. This happened to me this winter already twice. And the Northern Lights are just there. Even with all the light pollution, you could still see them. That's how you know it's quite strong. Ice cave tours are amazing and highly recommend that you go on an ice cave tour if you can in a glacier and then there's other glacier tours where you can go on a glacier walk slash hike you know certain companies call glacier walks or glacier hikes ice climbing I've done that I've not done it in the winter though which we do think be the only time you can do it but you can go on glaciers all the time of the year so glacier hiking is really fun just a little bit colder so I like to do it in the summer but I'm putting it out there as a potential because The ice is a different shade. Also, during the winter, you can really see the icy blue. And then there's a lot more stability in the ice, too. So just makes it a much more fun experience where there's many more places where you can actually climb. Snowmobile tours, for sure. Skiing and snowboarding, especially in the north. If you're really big into skiing between, like, into a fjord down a mountain, not a lot of trees, there are hardly trees in Iceland, so you can end up not having to worry about that, but they have hella skiing, there's also this thing called earn your turns, and you literally have to hike up the mountain, and then you ski down, everybody's different, but if you're into that, you can do it in the north, but there's also a mountain called Blaufjot, and that is a half an hour away from Reykjavik, However, it's not as much of an experience as you would get in the north, where it's much higher mountains. This is just for people who are like in the city. You just want to go somewhere and be able to ski or snowboard, maybe even learn there. Keep that in mind. And then, of course, there are winter road trips, whether you go on a with a guide or by yourself. So much fun! And a trip to Iceland wouldn't be complete without bathing in a geothermal pool. So that's an activity that I highly recommend during January. When it comes to specific events. So I've already mentioned New Year's Eve, but it's still worth mentioning because it's a blast. Literally, (laughs) there are fireworks that are being shot up everywhere. You can literally buy fireworks yourself. And that is being sold by the search and rescue team here in Iceland. They're raising money because they're a volunteer organization. And this is how they make their money, or at least how they make money to buy equipment and things like that. So that's just something to keep in mind if you want to take part in it. Then there's something called Þræðaunten, and that is January 6th. So it's like the 13th day, and it's the last day of Christmas in Iceland. That might sound a little strange, but in Iceland, there are these Yule lads that we talked about. And this is connected to other things too, but when it comes to the more pagan aspect of it, or folklore aspect of it, the Yule lads, there's 13 of them, and they start coming one by one in December, until the last one comes on, so it's December 12th, and then December 24th, I believe, the last one comes, so it's December 11th is when it starts to come, and it gets there on December 12th, and so on and so forth, but then starting on Christmas, they start to leave one by one, and January 6th, and the last one leaves, which also coincides with the last day of Christmas in Iceland, which is a celebration, there's a bonfire, there's, you know, dancing and fun, things like that, so... Something to keep in mind if you're here in early January. Then there's something called Thorrablot. So Thorrablot comes from the word Thorre, which is a month in the old Icelandic calendar. And during this time, Icelanders gather, they go to Thorrablot. They're a, an event. There are several events. They happen in every town, in essence, where they put together food from Icelanders, Ancestors. I'm just like when I think about it, it's intense. So like, you might see things like pickled rams testicles, or a whole sheep's head, <laughs> or fermented shark. One that you know people are aware of, might have heard before regarding Iceland and different things like that. Lots of drinking of brinnavin, which is aesthetic schnapps, and there's other foods too. Don't worry, but this the the foods that are have been preserved in unique ways. Are definitely stars of the show. There are people who come and sing. Some famous Icelanders go to this and perform, which is really cool. And then there are, of course, people dancing and this like that. So it's all in Icelandic. However, people can sign up and buy tickets and go. It's not like you can't. So if you really want to immerse in some Icelandic activities and really get close to locals in a way that is in a fun party atmosphere. Then Thorrablots is one of those. And you probably learn a lot, too, because a lot of Icelanders like to share about their heritage and about their, like, families and things like this. And in every township, it's different, meaning, you know, the types of people you'll meet and in the countryside is different. So really kind of gives you good perspective about the country if you decide to go to one. There's also the Reykjavik International Games that happens, and that's usually at the end of the month. So end of the month going to February and that is a collection of so many different games are taking place. And it's actually, it's really fun, I think. And lastly, Dark Music Days or Music Musikdagar. And this is just a collection of artists who are playing. Because remember I said, this is a dark time. <laughs> and Dark Music Days can give you some insight or like the ability to learn about Some musicians maybe you've never heard of before, if you're really into music or want to be really more into music and some of the artists here, make sure to check that out. Off links I mentioned in the show notes. And this is just the idea to prepare people for the next year coming up. You know, like I originally thought, should I do this in December? But even if I did it at the beginning or the end of December going into January, most people aren't just booking their ticket right away to go in January. So. Gonna give you some time and that's for these particular events if you would like to schedule them in with your trip. But before jumping into the random fact the episode, I'd like to thank Sintamani, the sponsor of the episode. Just remember to use my code JEWELS J-E-W-E-L-L-S on the website to save 15% on their high quality outdoor clothing. Random facty episode. So according to an article in Iceland Mag from 2015, and I haven't seen an update about this yet, but Probably still stand. So I think it still stands. January and February were the windiest months in Iceland since 1995 with an average wind speed of 10 meters per second. So 22 miles per hour or 36 kilometers per hour. Now we haven't gone through February yet. When I'm doing this recording, it is the beginning of February. So it could be that February ends up being crazy windy, but the January that just passed was not one of the windiest months in the country we were having one of the coldest though in terms of temperatures and lasting but i don't know in december was the coldest that we've had in, in quite a long time january thankfully the temperatures actually went up in many uh many days so dodge a the bullet there we'll see what happens for february but according to the meteorologist einar swainbjordson The beginning of the year saw the country battered by near-constant ravaging gales. And this was in 2015 that I'm referring to. One of the heaviest storms hit the southern parts of the country on February 22nd. The strongest gust of wind measured 63 meters per second, or 141 miles per hour, by Sandfett in Åraivé, South Iceland. That's incredible. Iceland is no joke. Just please, please, please heed the warnings. And the Icelandic word of the episode, I figured it would be fun to give you how you say the month in Icelandic. So January is Januar. Say it again. jan Jan-u-ar. Januar. As always, thank you so much for listening. Takk at the fyrir at hlusta og sjáumt fyrir